this is a sermon about unity, and it's uh, designed to help us think through this whole question of our need to work together. Uh, I started a, a teaching on last week that I thought was um, interesting because it talked about the temptation to be apart, the temptation to assume that everybody should be alike. And the sermon title basically was Designed to be Different. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Designed to be different. This is the first sermon I've ever taught on racism like this. I've mentioned it, but I've never taught or tried to define racism. But I thought during this month of celebration it would be interesting to put it in context. And to say that racism basically is the love of self. It is what, what I would consider to be an opinion that you should worship who you are so much so that you demand that everybody else be like you. And you can have it on a lot of different fronts. You can be that way toward Americans. You can be that way toward Hispanics. You can be that way toward white people, toward black people. You can assume that all black people should be white and all white people should be black and all Americans should be alike and all northerners should be southerners. But understand the, the, the real challenge with that is God designed us to be different. And when you engage people who don't understand that, who so worship themselves and worship their culture and worship who they are, that they look down upon people because they're different. I think oftentimes with gender issues, men wanting women to be like them and men like women, there's that great song in the My Fair Lady movie, if you've ever seen that, and you can Google it, My Fair Lady, uh, Why Can't a Woman Be Like a Man? It's, well, it's just amazing. It's a hilarious song. I played it for a young person the other day. And they just sat there and said, I can't believe he sang that. But it's that uh, Henry Higgins who sang that song in, in the movie. And it's so clear to me that a lot of people struggle with diversity. They struggle with anybody who's not like them. And that is unhealthy on a lot of levels. And I think you, you discover that it's, it, it manifests itself in marriage. It manifests itself in government. It manifests itself in a lot of ways. Or can you say this one more time? So we were designed. To be, to be different. But not only different, we're designed to work together. And that's what is often lost. There are certain things that will never work, and the Bible says this, if you don't work together. Listen to what the Bible says in Matthew 12, 25. A family that's in a constant squabble disintegrates. Can you read that with me, please? Come on. A family that is in a constant squabble disintegrates. Now, I want you to be clear. You disintegrate. Slowly, slowly, one step at a time, your family disintegrates. One step at a time. You keep on, and eventually your family starts to look sort of bit like this. Torn up and worn out and frustrated. That, my friend, is the reality of a divided family. Is your family disintegrating? Is your family falling apart? Well, here's, here's what I can tell you. If you're in squabbles, you will. And I believe that's at the core of our nation's issues. The disintegration is because of division. It's the idea that we can do it on our own. We're self-made. We don't need anybody. And that's, a, that's, a, that's not true. And I want you to hear, now you've heard this said by a, a number of ways, but let me read it for you in the King James Version. It says in, in Matthew 12, 25, but Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom 
divided against itself is brought to what? Desolation. And every house, city, every city, every house, every, every jail, <laughs> every community, every, everybody divided against itself cannot stand. And so if you're in a state of squabble, here's what's happening to your marriage. It's disintegrating. Jesus said that, not me. He's prophesying your future. And if you don't stop today, pause today, ask for help today. What did I say? Ask for help today. You can't be too proud. Pastor's out of our control. We're at a place of, we're at an impasse. We're at an impasse. I, I love the fact that people have been emailing me at the email address I gave you. Pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org, right? And they've been saying, we need to talk. We need to talk. We're having an issue. And me and my team have been engaging people and we've been helping people because it is, it is true. Some of us have been disintegrating right in front of your own eyes. You see it. You hear it. The tone in the house, the atmosphere, the weight. But this week, we talk about something else that can help fix that. Understanding that we were designed to work together. Today, it's all about working together. What I want to do is I want to take you back on a journey and I want to show you how Jesus came to this conclusion. You might be interested to know that this comment he made about a family divided cannot stand was said 24, was explained 24 verses earlier. So I want to go back to the first 24 verses and summarize in three or four statements that can help you understand what caused him to say this. And if you look in your notes, I want to talk about, first of all, I want to describe the division that they had. And I want to show you that they were divided over a few issues. They were divided over the Sabbath day. Can you say the Sabbath day? They were divided over a healing. Say that with me, please. They were, they were divided over this healing, and they were divided over how Jesus did things. Those three major areas led to this discussion. How in the world could he heal the people he was healing? And what in the world is he doing on the Sabbath day? Now, when I read these stories to you very quickly, you're going to be surprised. The first thing you're going to say when I, when I read them to you is you're going to say, they were divided over that. They, they were, and sometimes when you step back and you look at why in our culture racism exists, you see, white people don't like black people because, and black people don't like white people because, and slavery was brought into our country because, when you look back now at the price tag we paid for all that, all of us would say it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it for our country. Jim Crow didn't help anybody. A lot of the things that we allowed to happen in our country that we divided over were unnecessary. When I read for you these stories, you're going to see people who have biases and prejudices that are unfounded on common sense. It makes no sense to be this divided over those issues. Because here's what I've, I've discovered in my life. Crazy comes in all colors. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Crazy comes in all colors. All genders, all nations. Crazy comes in all colors. There are risks everywhere. And then this, this, this self-worship idea that says, you're a black, you're a white, you're whatever, you're Asian. I mean, it's, it's really real. When you travel, you'll see it. It's real. It's not just black and white. It's everywhere. 
It's amazing to me. And what I've concluded is it's not what we need to do because we were designed to work together. We need each other. We need each other more than we know. We know. That's why the wealth of the world is divided up. Oil is over there, and, and you know, gold is over here, and natural resources over there. And God says, I'm going to divide this up so you all need each other. And then you have the big, you know, big China sitting in the middle of the world, and they got more people than everybody. Whenever they use oil, it makes all the oil prices change, and, and they change their banking system. I mean, now, now we all are affected by everybody. So you can go beat up on old China, aren't you? There's a lot of people to beat up, I'm going to tell you right now. And you're going to go take charge over there in the Middle East, and you find out that they, they fight hard. You have all these arrogant ideas, assumptions, and you start learning that your view can be very biased and narrow. You don't know everything. You don't know everybody. We need each other. You can't just, you can't just put it on the teachers and put it on the superintendent or put it on the parents. We all got to tip together. Everybody needs everybody. A nation divided against itself cannot stand. And so this narrow approach, well, we all need to be Republican. Really? Are all Democrat? And those of you that don't vote, I'm just going to pray for you because Lord help us. We need you to pick a side, do something, jump in the middle, swim, splash. I don't care what you do. There's something profound about understanding the power of unity. It, if you take what I'm saying, it can change your family. If you take what I'm saying today, take this home. You need your husband. I don't need you. What kind of marriage is that? I can do it by myself. Really? It's not true. You need your kids. Wait till you get older. When you get older, you need them, and you, you need them to answer the phone when you call. Hello, hello. Amen. You need them to answer the phone. I'm looking around for mine. They're not in here right now. They need to say amen. I wanted a loud amen from them, but I didn't get anything. There's something about being clear. Can you say with me, please? I cannot do this alone. Come on. Now, I understand that there are things, times you have to stand alone and fight. I get that. But even though I may not have the people I want with me, God will always create an environment where I need to partner with someone. Somebody has to help me. My car breaks. Somebody's got to fix it. This idea that all white people should be on one side of the world and all black people on one side of the world and all of that is not even reasonable. It will not work. You cannot create a, a, black, a, a black haven or a white haven or an Asian haven or, or, an, or a Jewish haven. You can't make it on your own. It's not just you in the world. And once you get that, it broadens your perspective. Look back with me and let me show you quickly the history and the context of that statement that made Jesus declare, if you're, not, if you're divided, you disintegrate. First of all, look at verse 1 of, of uh, Matthew chapter 12. It said, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. The first thing I want you to notice is that Jesus' disciples were walking. This is where it all started. And they were hungry. And so as they were walking through the cornfields, they grabbed ears of corn and they started eating. 
and this made the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were religious leaders of the day. They were really, really like the PhDs, super religious people, really strong. They were like the elite, the Marine Corps of religion. And these folks, I mean, special forces of religion, these were like the really <laughs> amazing group of people who knew the law and the Bible and all that, or not the Bible at that time, but who knew the law. And so all these folks noticed, some of them noticed these guys walking through the grain fields eating the corn, and they say, hey, 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 they can't do that. That's not lawful on the Sabbath day, which was technically true. They weren't supposed to technically do that. At least that's what they assumed. And so Jesus looks at them, and I'm, I'm not going to read it. Just paraphrase it for you. He looks at them, and he says, hey, don't you remember David? David was allowed to eat something called the showbread. Now, maybe you haven't heard this before. Well, let me, let me read it for you. Why not? It's important. Verse 2, when the Pharisees saw it, they, were, they said to him, Lord, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Verse 3, but he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the showbread. Now, you, now showbread was simply some holy bread that they would, that they would uh, it was a picture of um, a spiritual image that God wanted Israel to remember. And so priests would have this bread and they would, they would uh, it was just for them. And it was really a picture of Christ, the bread of life, really, what it was. But they didn't know what it was, but it's a picture of, of, of something for them that was very, very important and it was very holy and sacred. And so... The, they were not to share it with everybody as a common rule. But in this unique moment in David's life when he was coming through town and they were hungry and had no food, they gave them some of the showbread, which is amazing. And so here's what Jesus does. Jesus steps to the Pharisees' argument and says, hey, guys, you want to blame my guys for eating corn, walking through the cornfields. But remember David. And here's the truth he was trying to teach them. You are putting too much emphasis on the details. And you are losing sight of the bigger picture. Now, Mark picks up this conversation in Mark chapter 2. Now, I want you to remember this, okay? Re say these names with me, please. Say Matthew. Matthew. Mark. Mark. Did I say that? I'm sorry. <laughs> Matthew. Is it Mark and Luke or Luke? Mark, Luke, and John. I can't think. Well, I know the Bible. I really do. I'm telling you. <laughs> say them again. Say Matthew. Matthew. Mark. Luke. Paul's right there. Paul's right there, not that one. The first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I do know this, are synoptic gospels. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Synoptic gospels. These three gospels are like three people who see the same story but tell it differently. Matthew's a numbers guy, and so he has all these genealogies at the beginning of his book. He's a very detailed guy. And then you have, you have Luke, who's a physician. So every time you see a story about something medical, it's very detailed. Mark is like, the movie guy, real fast. He's a servant-minded guy, but he's really fast. He's like, get to the bottom line. Let's just tell it like it is. And so what he does is he tells us stories, and he gives us executive summary. So if, if Mark saw, sees a story, and, and, it's, and you know, Luke would uh, give, Matthew would give all the details. They were running down, the, there was about five blocks, and they came about five miles and six miles. They saw this. Seven miles later, they saw this. He'd give all the numbers. Luke would say, well, we were riding down, and then we saw some sick people, and then this happened, and, and he would give the medical side. And Mark would say, we went fast. <laughs> he would just spam to the point. We went fast. Passed a bunch of hurt people. That's it. No details. Not Luke. Luke wants to tell about the broken bone guy and, and the crooked, you know, all, all, the de all the medical details. So here we go. So Mark's, Mark looks at the same story, and Mark says it this way. Same story, same issue, grain field, disciples walking through grain field. Here's what he said. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for who? Man. And not what? man for the Sabbath. So in Mark's recollection of the event, 
he remembers a big thing Jesus said to these guys who were complaining. He said, please understand that we don't need to be divided over this because your view of the Sabbath is incorrect. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, that's really important. Here's the point. Church was made for people, not people for church. There's a big difference. Your house was made for you, not you made for your house. Does that make sense? You are the one that's the priority. And, and he says, you guys have lost sight of this. This whole Sabbath thing is about rest. It's about helping people. This whole idea of worshiping on the Sabbath, which is technically Saturday, and if you want to be really Jewish, it's 6 o'clock Friday night. It's 6 o'clock Saturday evening. If you want to be really technical about it. They call it the Shabbat. So be clear that Jesus is not saying that the Sabbath is wrong. He's simply saying your application of it is wrong. Your religious application of it, Pharisees. The way you approach it. Coming to church is not wrong. This is the way you approach church. You keep people too long. You demand too much. You're not open and transparent. You're not clear and specific. People don't know why they should come. And he's saying to them, you forgot what this is about. There's a wonderful line that Andy Stanley says that I really love. It's in his book on communication. He says, when you're preaching, you have to ask yourself a question. And, and Andy's a really solid guy. He really is. Comes out of Dallas Theological Seminary. Really solid, strong teacher of the Bible. Really, really solid guy. I like him a lot. He says, he said, <laughs> he said um, do you teach people the Bible or do you teach the Bible to people? Which one? Do you teach people the Bible or do you teach the Bible to people? If you're teaching people the Bible, you start with learning how people hear and think. If you're teaching the Bible to people, then your focus is all the big words and all the big messages, and you're not really focusing on the people and how they hear. And so when I talk to you, I understand I'm talking to people. And I need to teach people, definitely the Bible, you're with me. The Bible's not lost. But I need to make, make sure I know how they hear. Good teachers get that. It's not the lesson, teacher. It's the students. And I need to come up with a way, a tool, you with me, that helps the people hear what I'm saying so they can remember it. And I think that's what gets lost. And he looks at these Pharisees and says, hey, guys, you're divided over this issue, but let me make, make sure you're clear. Um, you're forgetting what this is all about. This is not about some religious day. God simply said from the beginning of creation, you need to stop. You go for six days, and on the seventh day, you pause. It's a, ma it's, it's a description of how you live your life. It's called balanced living. And that was made for man. And so here you are, you've lost sight of it. And then he, 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 dry, he dives in, and he says, please be clear, you're missing the point. Now, you can read this on your own. Romans chapter 14, verse 4, four through 6, really answers this question, because a lot of people ask me all the time, should we keep the Sabbath? And what do you think? And I tell them, well, if you want to keep the Sabbath, come to our Saturday service. But watch verse 4. Romans chapter 14, verse 4. You can really choose. Paul picks up this argument and says, you know, who are you to judge another man's servant? Verse 5, one person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let, every, let each be fully convinced in his own mind. You can decide what you want. See, the, the early church started worshiping on Sunday to celebrate Christ's resurrection because he, he rose on the first day of the week. But I want you to be clear. It's, it's amazing how people get so hung up on this Sabbath thing, and I'm not against it. I'm just making a point. 
for those who are, like even my Seventh-day Adventist friends who preach on Saturday, I said, you're not off. This is a work day for me. Did you not figure that out? This is the work day. The, the, the Sabbath goes far beyond a day you go to church. It has to do with a balance in your life. And so what he was saying to them, you guys have mis, misapplied the whole Sabbath idea. You, you lost sight of the whole goal, and the whole goal was to not to divide you, but you've used it to divide us. Then he goes on, verse 9. When he departed from there, he went to the synagogue and Behold, there was a man who had a withered hand, and he asked him, saying, Is it lawful? They asked him. They asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? So now notice they're divided over the Sabbath day, right? They're still on the Sabbath thing. Then they see this guy who's sick and his hand is withered, and they say, Hmm, we're going to trick him. So now they, 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 get this, they ask him this question, should, we, should you heal on the Sabbath? Their goal was to trap him, verse 11. Then he said to them, what man is there among you who has one sheep and if he falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not lay hold on it? Let me rephrase it. Let's say you're driving down 95 and your car falls into a ditch. How many of you would wait till Monday to call the tow truck to get your car out? That's the point he's making. How much more value then is a man than a sheep or than your car? Are you with me? Therefore, it is, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. But notice where their mind, they're still stuck. They didn't, they didn't get the point he made. Man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. You make, they, they've lost it. So now the guy's got a withered hand. But Jesus does this amazing thing. He, he, he said to the man, verse 13, stretch out your hand. This is Matthew 12, 19, 13 rather. Stretch out your hand. And he stretched out his hand and it was restored. Now in that moment, you would think these guys who were religious people would have been amazed and said, well, forget whatever I thought. Look at this miracle. No. Because it was all about winning, and that's what religious people can be like. You got to be careful. I'm concerned about us. I'm concerned about us. We know everything. We don't pay attention to the world around us, and we know everything. Some of you on your jobs, the reason why you're having trouble is not because you're saved. It's because you act crazy. <laughs> and you're saved. That, combine those two together. You love the Lord, but you go in there like this. Praise the Lord, everybody. Thank God for being here. Hallelujah. All y'all going to hell if you don't get saved. You know, that's why they say she's crazy as a bat. Go to church. What church she goes to? Don't tell them. Don't tell them you go here. Don't tell them you go here. Especially if you're late all the time. Don't tell them you go to church. Say another church. Tabernacle. What? No. Don't say don't say Don't be quoting me in there. You come late all the time. Don't quote me. Don't say nothing. Just don't mention my name. Just shh. People get upset when I say it. I'm reading the book. I love, I love, I don't go and call people crazy, but I'm, I'm reading this new, it's a new book I got. Let me tell you the name. Oh, okay. Hold on. Hold on. Y'all hold on. You ready? You okay? Say amen. Oh, I can't do it because I got the thing on, on. Oh, Jesus, help me. Okay, you're going to be patient with me, right? Patient with the pastor. Come on, cause this is so cool. If I do this, you know, this I love about gadgets, right? You can do what you want to do. There you go. Okay, let me tell you the name of this book I'm reading. It's really cool. It's, uh, it's about crazy people. <laughs> it is. It really, uh, it's called People Can't Drive You Crazy If You Don't Give Them the Keys. <laughs> 
I just love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's a great book. It's a, it's a great. Uh, oh, stop. Don't download. Don't download. They'll mess it up. Okay, stop. Y'all got me in trouble. I'm off my sermon. Write that down, okay? They'll, 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 they'll drive you crazy. And, and, and I don't know why. I'm, 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 you got me all jacked up here. Stop. 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 All right. Back to your sermon. Stay focused, Pastor Rick. Stay focused. But, but I, I, I think sometimes we don't realize how we look to people. You know, we, we come off in a way that's very inconsistent. And I, I, I'm always striving to, to be clear that here you've got people that are religious, but they're missing everything. And so he heals this guy, then he heals some other people. Watch this now. He heals this other person in verse number three in your notes. So notice they're divided over the Sabbath, then they're divided over this healing thing. And then you'll notice, there, if you'll notice in verse um, 22, another thing happens. The Bible says there was, a, there was brought to him one who was possessed with blind and mute. He healed him so that the blind, man, blind and mute both spoke and saw. So now you've got Jesus healing somebody else. You think that would make them happy. But no, they're not happy. All, and then the Bible says in verse 23, and all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? So now I want you to notice you've got this amazing moment where Jesus heals this guy, and then there comes this question, how could this be done? That's the question. When the Pharisees heard this, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by who? Beelzebub, by the devil. So now you've got this this incredible moment where they're divided not over not only on the sabbath but they're divided on okay on the healing on the sabbath then they're divided on how he could do this and, he, and here, are the, here are the religious people who always have an answer we know how he did it the devil gave him the power to do it you know I, sometimes if you don't know you just need to say you don't know and so here's where where jesus makes the statement a family that is in a constant squabble disintegrates. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Now, I read all that to you to show you what brought the statement on. Good stuff. You mean, you wouldn't think, you wouldn't think they would be that angry if he was doing good things. Sometimes you do good things and there's still division. You know, it, it, sometimes the reason for the division is, 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 is not based on fact. It's unreasonable. And it's true for us in, 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 when it comes to racism in general, or biases in general. Our division is not based on the truth. Let me make a couple of racial statements, okay? Buckle up. All white people didn't hurt all black people. There's a whole lot of white people who died for your freedom. That's a nice little clap. I like that. It's a nice little clap. That's a nice little clap. They're Jewish people. They're Asian people. There are a lot of people around the world. There are a lot of Americans who gave their lives for people to be free in places they did not live. I'm not denying history. I'm not saying those things that happened didn't happen. I get it. Those things happened. Those ugly things. Jim Crow was ugly every day. 
It's painful for us. And I'm, I don't want to diminish it at all. I do believe in creating subcultures and the long-term damage that was done. I get that. I'm not denying any of that. But here's what I don't want to do. See the bigger picture. The Pharisees saw Jesus and they, listen to me, they so hated him they weren't honest. They were so biased. They so worshipped their own viewpoint that they couldn't see the bigger picture. And that's what's wrong with some of your marriages. You're so fixated on your, your, your view of the world that you don't see the good the person does. You don't see anything. They're ignoring, they're ignoring a move of God because they're so fixated on their perspective. And it's when you can see it from all sides. It's when you can embrace the good and the bad and tell the truth. I don't want you to be and understand when people say colorblind. What they're trying to say is I don't see color and I don't, see, I don't want to put down anybody because of their race. I get that. But here's what I want you to see. I want you to see my color and I want you to embrace it. And I want to embrace yours. And I want to embrace your culture. Whether you're an American or a Nigerian. Whether you're from here or there. I want you to embrace me. I want you to love me for who I am. Because we're not all the same. But we all need each other. I'm going to do something that's going to bother somebody, but he loves me. My brother, come. My Nigerian brother. Yeah. You. Right there. Yes. Come. 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 Come up here. Come up here. Come up here. I want you to come up here. He does not want this. He is, let me tell you, he's, he's so wonderful, and he's, he's probably going to get me in so many ways later because I have, I have called him out to be on the spot. But I only did it because I love him, and I think he's amazing. And so come on, put your shoes on. Come on up here. Praise <laughs> the Lord. He put the shoes on. Come on. Because, you know, when you're from home, you just, you're home, you just take your shoes off. You don't worry about nothing. Come on up here, my brother. Come on. Give him a big hand. Come on. Come up here. Come on up here. Give him a microphone. I'm sorry. You're going to get me later, right? Come on. Come on. I know you hate this. No, you really do. You really hate this. Here, take this. Here, here. Tell them your name. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Go for it. Oh, man. I know you hate this. Come on. <laughs> Tell them your name. Tell them your name. My name is Nonzo Izichuku. Say it, say it again so they can get it. Say it again. My name is Nonzo Izichuku. And where are you from? West Africa, Nigeria. West Africa, Nigeria. Yes. Good. You like me? Oh, I love you. You do? <laughs> you going to love me after the day? All right. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm going to take you to dinner. This is going to be a dinner on me. I'm going to have to take you to dinner, okay? We'll go to McDonald's or something, okay? I'm going to do something. Make up for this, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. Your brother's going to call me. All right. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to leave you alone. I'm not going to call the whole family up here. Listen, just briefly. There are, do you like this country? You love it? Yes, But I people do. are different, right? Oh, yes. When you, hear me, when, when you hear me talk about people being different around the world, I'm not making that up, right? No, you're not. No, you're not. And even though we are the same color, there's a lot of cultural differences, right? Oh, yes. Yes, good. Yes. And bothering you like this is one, right? Thank you, my brother. Give him a big hand. Come on, give him a big hand. Thank you, my brother. You did good, man. Come on, give him a big hand. We're going to McDonald's, people. You got to give that man a hand now. <laughs> This is my day to get people. Is that what this is, right? <laughs> Who else do I need? Let me see. Let me see. No, I won't do it. No. 
But here's the point I'm making. In that moment, you saw the same color, but you saw diversity. Some people are shy. Some people are loud in public. Some people are. And learning to embrace that. Racism denies that right. Racism forces him to be like me. It says you can't be different. But I want you to understand that we're way different. You need to meet people who are your same color from a different place. People who have a different view of the world. And there's something that happens when you understand Jesus is looking at them and he's saying, guys, I want you to be clear. This kind of division is unhealthy. This kind of attitude is not going to help anybody. If anything, it causes us all to disintegrate. And the argument that they raise, he says, is unfounded. And here's what he says in verse 28, if you look at the text. Only united spiritual efforts work. Only when we unite together, whether you be African from Nigeria and in America, whatever you are, is when we unite together. And take the same principle and watch this now apply it to your home. Listen to what he says in verse 28. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the what? Kingdom of God has come upon you. How can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first do what? Binds the strong man. And then he will do what? Plunder his house. Here's what he says. I want you to be clear. Now, this is important. You ready? This is important. Now, if I'm going to come to your house to get something from you, okay, and your home, it's a problem for me because you're home, and you're not going to just let me walk in and just take it. You're just saying no right away. You just really, <laughs> no, no. See, because it's his. Now, but if, if I can go in there and take it, that means I'm stronger than him. And so his point is, your argument is unfounded. I'm not doing these miracles because the devil's helping me do it. Because he goes on and he says, and I didn't give you these verses. He goes on and he says in verse 28, verse 29, he says, a house, he said, Satan is not divided against Satan. That's in tw- uh, Matthew 12, 28 through 29. I think, I think, I'm sorry, it's in, uh, it's in the, the, uh, verse 30, 31. He says, I didn't give you, I didn't give you, Satan's house, Satan is not divided. He's not uh, divided against himself. And if he's not divided against himself, there's no way in the world that you can see victory unless he fights against himself and he's not fighting against himself. And so something must be happening here that's bigger than you see. Look at it again, verse 28. If I cast out Satan by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. How can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his house unless he first do what? Binds the strong man and then he will do what? Plunder his house. It's verse 30 that goes on to say Satan's not divided against Satan. Verse 31 says, therefore I say to you, every sin, he switches the gear and says, the real issue here, guys, is you guys are blaspheming. The real issue is you're so divided that you're speaking evil of something that God's doing. You're so focused, you're so, you're so narrowly focused that you don't care what you say. And I want you to hear this. When you're divided, you start saying anything. And then he goes through this whole description of division that's called blasphemy. And he says basically this. Listen to what he says. Every sin that a person commits can be forgiven, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven him. If anyone speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. 
But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will never be forgiven him in this age or in the age to come. Now, that used to confuse me. I, I didn't understand why. Why in the world would he say that? What was the purpose of that? I thought, well, is he saying if you say something bad about the Holy Spirit, you, you get judged by God. But if you say something bad about the Son of Man, you won't. There's a bigger picture. The word blasphemy basically means to speak evil of, but it goes beyond that. The word blasphemy talks about a person's attitude that's non-changing. Can you say that word, please? That means you've come to a position and you are completely non-changing, which means your view of God is fixed. And you said, no matter how many miracles I see, no matter how many miracles I see, no matter what God does, it doesn't matter. I will not change my mind. I will not change my perspective. The critical commentary says it this way. To blaspheme him would be to hate the light the clearer it became and resolutely to shut it out, which, of course, prevents salvation, which means this. When God shines the light of truth on you, you see the guy be healed. You see you see the people's lives change, but you still say that's the devil. As long as you push against me, I can't save you. As long as your children don't save money, they can't what? Have money. As long as your kids don't listen to you, as long as you don't go to work, as long as you keep eating what you're eating, you're, you're literally pushing against the light. And that's what he says. The blaspheme is to speak evil, but it's not to just speak evil. It's to speak evil and to speak evil and to speak evil and to speak evil and to do what? Speak evil. It's to say, no matter what you show me, you can explain it, you can, you can make it plain, it doesn't matter. They became completely indifferent, and there was no way to remove the division. You see, sometimes you see this in families. No matter what that man does, you won't change what you say. You blaspheme him, you blaspheme your family, you blaspheme everybody because it doesn't matter to you. For you, it is a matter of, I don't like him anymore. I don't love him anymore. And it's interesting that God can't change your mind. You see, to blaspheme the Holy Spirit is not just God saying something because he's mad. It's you not being willing to respond no matter what God says. It's no matter what God does in your life. It's what you see in government today. It's this incredible self-worship idea that's just amazing to me. I am stunned. I am stunned that politicians can say things sometimes and then deny they said it. And deny they said it, and deny they said it, and deny they said it, or deny they saw it. Didn't you see that? Didn't you see that? Did that not come clear to you? It's almost like they get lost, and they're lost, and I'm wondering to myself, do you understand the outcome of this? The outcome of this is we disintegrate. We fall apart. Satan's not divided, but we are. If you don't think he's, if, you, if you're not sure, look at how he's wrecked your family. Look at how well he's done. Look at how convinced he is. Look at how strong it is. I look at myself and I say, Temple, don't let it happen to you. I'm not going to, 
I'm not going to be biased against white people, Asian people, women, men, against anybody. I'm not going to live my life prejudging people. I'm not going to live my life blaspheming people. I'm surely not going to ignore what God is doing. This, you know, the Pharisees really were in a dangerous place. They were in a place they could never be freed from because they kept speaking evil of it, no matter what they saw. What has God shown you? What have you clearly seen and you still won't change? What have you clearly come to understand and you still won't change? You see, I believe some of you are at that moment today where you can make a decision to change your life. You can change your life. You can change your view. And you can look at the world around you. And this is where it starts. Father, I don't want to live my life with these attitudes. I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to ignore what's obviously true about me or my family or the world around me. But Lord, I, I can't hold these things in my heart. I know what history says. I know what's gone on in the past. But there is no benefit for me, no positive future when I live in this state of division. There are too many issues where I need to work with people. And I cannot, I cannot have this attitude. And the major long-term impact, the major long-term impact is horrific if I stay down this path. And so, Lord, today I ask you, and let this be your prayer, help us, Lord, today band together across all racial boundaries, across all ethnic boundaries. Help us find a place where we are healed and revived and renewed. Help us, Lord God, forgive people around us. The strong man's coming into our home and destroying our families, destroying our churches, destroying our community, because we are divided over issues that we shouldn't be divided over. Even when you show us things, we've ignored you. But help us today to get it. Help us today to change. Help us today to see the light. Help us today to re review what your word said. The kingdom has come. A new king has come. And this new king is taking charge. As Jesus healed people, delivered people, he was saying, no, Satan's not divided against Satan because he, he wouldn't do that. He's not divided against himself. We need to see that a new power is in the world. Can you lift your hand with me, please? A new power is in the world. A power that delivers and frees. And I speak healing to your people today. As we leave this service, I speak deliverance to people today. People that have been bound king of kings the lord of lords the new king has come to deliver us the new king has come to bring joy people who've been bound on drugs bound with alcohol bound with depression bound with jesus has come to heal your 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 witheredness is not your hand it's your faith in life your brokenness is not necessarily your limbs it's your heart and he's come to heal your heart today 
And so, Father, today in Jesus' name, I declare that the King of kings, the new kingdom is coming. He's taking charge. He's casting out spirits, casting out evil thoughts, casting out the spirit of depression, casting out the spirit of suicide, casting out that attitude. And God, I pray when they leave the service and when they finish streaming in today, that the hand of God will bring a new revival in their spirit. They won't blaspheme their husband or blaspheme their home or blaspheme the work of God. They will begin to say, I see in my life a need to go forward in Jesus' name. I want you to look at me and I want you to hear what I'm saying to you. I want you to watch me. Put your hand up. As long, push him. As long as you, this is blasphemy, as long as you push against, you can't be forgiven. That's what that's about. As long as you say, my husband's no good, push back. Husband's no good. School's no good. Church's no good. How can you change anything? Listen to what you're saying. Listen to what you're saying about our country. As long as there's that spirit, you'll never get past it. That's what Jesus was saying. So today, I want you to leave out of here with a different attitude. Go to work tomorrow and scare people smile I'm not saying when things are wrong that there's not you shouldn't say it I'm not saying you shouldn't acknowledge we, things we need to improve I, I get that but there's something in you that needs to change when everything in your life is awful and divisive and when you stay on your side and I stay on my side I want you today to go home and I want you to unite and I want this to be a united church are you ready to unite Come on, are you ready to unite? Come on, are you ready to unite? Jesus name. Father, today I pray for people who in this place who need to unite around you. I pray for people in this place who need to be, need to be saved from where they've been. I ask you to touch and heal their hearts today. I ask you to deliver and bless them. I ask you to let this be a time of great revival and great renewal for them. I pray they leave this place inspired and changed. I pray they leave this place with a new fire in their hearts. And I pray they leave this place believing that there is a possibility for them. And I ask you, Lord God, for people who have given up on hope to have hope today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Lord, I ask you to deliver people today. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've never given Jesus my life, but I need to do that today. I realize that what you said speaks to my life. I want to pray a prayer. Lord, today let those people who don't know you as Savior, who've never served you, never given their lives to you, Acknowledge today that they need you in their life. And I pray for forgiveness. I pray for their, their lives to start new. You died on the cross so that they could be free. And so, Lord, I ask you to let this be that moment of deliverance for them. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. I prayed that prayer with you because when I leave you today, I want to be changed. I want to leave out of here speaking well of what God has done already in my life. I know he loves me. And I want him to be the Lord of my life. If that's your prayer, before you leave this room, I want you to just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Say, that's me, Pastor Rick. That prayer is for me. Raise your hand. Anybody say, Pastor, that prayer is for me. My life needs to change today. I need God in my life. Just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. And say, that's my prayer. That's my need today. Now, if you're here today and you're raising your hand or you're raising your heart, even online, I want you to just raise one more time. Raise your hand, everyone in the building. The day we leave free, Lord, today we leave changed. We will not be the same. We give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen.